This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Hey now! Howdy. It's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day, actually. Not a bad week for the start of spring, which is now officially, officially here. First full day. We've got a lot to talk about on this episode, and part of it is going to be hard for some people to hear because we're going to talk about a new lawsuit that's been filed against Epic Games, makers of Fortnite, over the addictiveness of the game. A parent is launching a class action lawsuit against Fortnite because Fortnite is too good at its job. Its job was to create a video game that people wanted to play. They did. Kids got hooked and parents are beside themselves. <laughs> Some of them. So we will get to that coming up. Lots of fun things actually in this episode. Uh, let's start off with this because when I say fun, I obviously think capital punishment. You've said in the past <laughs> that... <laughs> Well, I We're mean, twisted like that. This is what I don't understand. <laughs> I, I get that there's some people who have deep religious convictions and they think nobody has the right to take the life of somebody else. But what if that person did take the life of somebody else? Mm-hmm. And, and there's no hope for reform here. People agree. Experts in their fields agree that there's no reform. There has to be some sort of a punishment that fits the crime. And capital punishment often gets the call. But it's illegal in some places. Well, for those places that it is still legal, they're raising their game. For example, in Idaho, they just passed a bill with a veto-proof majority that would allow for the use of firing squads to execute a death row inmate if the lethal injection injection drugs are not available. Huh. We're wow. going all medieval wow. now, Kat. Medieval times. Here we go. A firing squad. That's different. That is, that's, that is different. I know some people don't like that. Look, I, I do believe like the punishment needs to fit the crime. I don't think we do a good job here in Canada of that at all. I think we have way too many people getting off on bail that shouldn't be, that have done horrendous things. There are people in prison that have done horrendous things that are wasting taxpayer money. That's just my, that's just my stance on it. I've had this conversation with people. I've heard arguments to the other side. I, ju- I haven't been swayed elsewhere. That's just where I stand, but I know other people have other things. This seems... um. How would that work? Okay. Oh, <laughs> I read all about I, please, it. Please, please explain. Cause like, I mean, I just, I just picture like, blah, 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 shoot him up. <laughs> like it's messy and it's great. Like guns, guns <laughs> blazing. Like, is that it? Or like Yosemite <laughs> Sam. And then they like fall into a hole and someone comes along and just puts dirt over it and moves along. Okay. So the last part, you're actually not far <laughs> off. Okay. So the way they do it is the death row inmate has to go and stand in front of the firing squad. In the firing squad, they can have any number of people. It has to be an odd number, and it could be three, five, seven. I think they'll probably go for somewhere between seven and nine shooters. Okay. They will all have a gun. Only one, maybe two of those guns has live bullets in it. The rest are all blanks because the theory being no one should know who pulled the trigger that killed the person. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So if you're the person who's part of the firing squad, you shouldn't have to live with that for the rest of your life that 
you killed somebody. You don't know if you fired the fatal shot. Got it. So everybody fires and hopefully everybody makes contact. The person goes down. They pick him up and throw him in the hole that you mentioned a few minutes ago. <laughs> I know it sounds primitive, it but it really is primitive. One thing that I would change if Cat ruled the world. One thing that I would change from the I don't hate the firing squad if it's a bad person. Okay, this is someone who did something terrible, killed someone. Anything involving kids, absolutely. You gotta die. So firing squad should be the the victim in this scenario's family, loved ones. Oh, you think they should be allowed to be yeah. on the firing squad? Yeah, someone did something, someone I love, give me that fucking gun, I'll do it. Hmm. It would make people feel better. <laughs> it would feel like justice got served. I feel like it would it would help in the healing process. Some people would disagree, and that's fine. You could disagree. You're allowed to. That's fine. I think it might help in the healing process for some people. I really do. Okay. I wonder how you sign up to be on the firing squad list. Not that I would want to do it, but well, I'm a pretty good shot. Look, there's people who have anger issues who ha- per- perhaps would channel that in the wrong way and actually hurt someone who's innocent. If you know you're going to hurt somebody. Maybe those are the people that we need hurting the bad people. I don't know. Is that, that w- twisted and backwards? Maybe. I don't think we want to empower the people uh- <laughs> who have anger issues by handing them a rifle and saying, you might kill somebody today. Okay, that might be too far. I'm just spitballing. I'm sure it won't be long before they automate the process anyway. Oh, it's AI is going to take over that. AI will take over. And there's going to be a voiceover too, like, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be my voice or something with my luck for sure. Oops, sorry. <laughs> the friendliest voice. <laughs> I, um, I, I want to congratulate these officials in another province here in Canada. And if you're one of our American or international listeners to After 9, thank you so much for listening to this little snapshot every day of what's happening in Canada. I'd like to tell you about one of our landlocked provinces, Saskatchewan, the capital of Saskatchewan. I believe it's Saskatchewan. (laughs) The the capital of Saskatchewan is called Regina. Mm -hmm. And the tourism board is now apologizing because they say they leaned too far into a joke as they attempted to rebrand the city mm. and try and make it cool. Well, Regina, as you probably have already figured out, rhymes with vagina. What? I've never even noticed that before. So this new ad campaign <laughs> that they launched just last week and have since already pulled off of the media uh, docket. hmm Featured slogans that were not subtle at all. Things like, show us your Regina. The city that rhymes with fun. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. That's brilliant. The city that rhymes with fun, Regina. (laughs) I like that. I don't hate that at all. It also used to be Tourism Regina. It has now been rebranded to Experience Regina. It's a nod to some song that apparently went viral in 2008. So somebody cut it together. Yeah. Do you want to hear it? It was Dan Onright. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, listen and, to this. Yeah. And, and uh, O'Toole there. Go ahead. Regina. Experience Regina. That affiliation will always be an undertone that we face. I think we should be proud of our city's name, and I think we should be proud of the city that we live in. And, and for those that, uh, that want to have a moment of humor with it, that's not a bad thing. Uh, embrace it. We're not changing the name of the city of Regina anytime soon. 
I don't disagree with the guy, to but, be honest with you. And by the way, a little backstory about that song. It ended up on Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon does a little uh, skit where he talks about songs and how these are actual songs. And they actually posted that as a real song. And he played it on The Tonight Show. And when he played it on The Tonight Show, it actually got a bunch of streams. I don't know if they ended up actually making money off of it, but there you go. A little, a little fun fact. And that was at the time they were, I believe it was Dan and Jay at the same time, both at Sports Center when that song came out. Well, a lot of Regina residents didn't find that rebrand very funny at all. And they say they don't want their city represented as a word that rhymes with vagina. Mm. So they've already pulled the ad campaign. Is this really a case of this is offensive or is this a case of, nope, we're not going to trivialize the female anatomy? Or is it a case of Saskatchewan doesn't like to have any fun? They can't acknowledge the obvious joke that people who are hearing Regina for the first time are making in their head. It's pronounced Regina, okay? No, I, I'm trying to think. How, okay, so I'm trying to be fair here. So I'll put myself, I'll try to put myself in their shoes. So let's pretend I unfortunately lived in Regina. Okay, I've never been to Regina, but I've been to Saskatoon. And that city at night has some good spots. Some and they're stuff, buffing. Yeah, some stuff. I have some friends actually in, in Saskatoon. So, okay. So, but let's, okay. So let's say that we actually live in Regina. Would you be upset with that? Knowing that that was your city, your tax dollars, even whatever that was pro- pushing and promoting the fact it rhymed with vagina. Like, I'm, I'm seriously trying to figure out if I would actually be upset by it or not if I lived in Regina. Because from the outside looking in to Regina. You're, okay, <laughs> sorry. You're looking into the Regina. Got it. Then I think that this is a music. I think it's great. But if I actually lived in Regina, would I think that this is great? I don't think I would be meh about it. It depends if people use it to make fun of the people in Regina. If people, the first thing they do when they land is say, oh, it's garbage day, got a smelly Regina here, or something like that, then yeah, they might have an, they might take offense to that. If they make a, well, there's all kinds of Regina jokes sure you can are. do. I mean, so all many. day. Time to cut the grass in Regina. <laughs> exactly. You know, She's overgrown. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, if people are feeling the brunt of it and it's done in a mean way, then yeah, maybe I could understand. Maybe they just don't want their city like that. Although, if it works, and that's the whole point of it, this is government money being invested into a tourism campaign to promote coming to Saskatchewan, then I don't know that they should really throw it out. I, I think that it's probably good if it's effective. How many people had no intention of going to that particular place in Newfoundland until they found out there's a place in Newfoundland called Dildo? And people stop by Dildo and take photos of the Dildo sign all the time. All the time. Like, apparently, it's quite the tourist attraction. So, should Regina embrace being Regina is, is the question. Is that the question at hand? Should they just embrace it? Well, I mean, I embrace <laughs> Fully, I think it's great. Tell us how you really feel about Regina. You know, I, 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 again, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure out the downside. I suppose there's some people who are a little like crusty over it. (laughs) That's the right right word. Uh, I get it. There's always going to be those people though, right? Uh, The person who organized this, the CEO, his name is Tim Reed. He told a reporter he was trying to own the joke, but obviously went too far. 
His job might be on the line over this one because they spent a lot of money on developing this campaign and now it's out before it really oh, even got started. Did they make like do they make like banners and shit around the town? Oh yeah. And there they do like commercials? Yeah. I like the rhymes of fun thing though. We can't do that. Apparently not. Is it trivializing the female anatomy in any way or just having a, a fun um, joke that anybody would make regardless of whether it was a male or female private part? I don't know and I think about I don't I don't know. I'm, I don't think I, sh- I should be allowed to speak for all people with vaginas just because I have one. But for me personally, I don't think so. If this town was penis, you know, penis Saskatchewan, it kind of sounds like penis. Or if it rhymed with penis and it was like penis, we'd probably be having fun with that too. Like come on down and see penis. It's bigger than you thought it would be. Like shit like that would probably be funny. So why can't this be funny? You can tell why we didn't get hired for that job to rebrand Regina. <laughs> nobody asked us and nobody will. And I wouldn't give a fuck what people thought. <laughs> Sorry, we spent a lot of money on that Regina. We're, <laughs> we're going to enjoy that Regina campaign. Expensive, expensive campaign and Regina scene. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, let's talk video games for a second here. This is kind of wild if you think about it. A Canadian class action lawsuit against the makers of Fortnite has been filed in BC Supreme Court. It was launched by a Vancouver parent who says the popular video game is designed to be as addictive as possible for children. She says her son downloaded Fortnite in 2018 and developed, quote, an adverse dependence on the game. The statement says the game enriches itself by making content purchasable via in-game currency, which users buy using real cash. Mm-hmm. Two issues at play here, and I can't figure out what her real problem is. Is her problem that the kid rang up a big bill or that he continues to ask her for money so he can buy things in the game? Is that the problem? Or is the problem that this parent didn't do a whole lot of parenting and kid got addicted because to say that the video game company created a game that was designed to be as addictive as possible for children Mm -hmm. is another way of saying the video game company did a great job at doing their job. That's the point of a video game. It's designed to be immersive and fun and and a a different universe that you can submerse yourself in and, and enjoy this game. I do think like it, I understand this time right now that we're in um, and I'm assuming these are mostly like Gen X parents that are going through it first really truly is that universe that their kids are in 
are all surrounding things like this. That's a way to be social, Fortnite, from what I hear. Now, full full disclosure, I've never played Fortnite. My kids aren't old enough to play Fortnite, so I don't know much about it. So I'm more so talking off of what I know from other people is that it's a social game, right? So Gen X parents, I think especially, you're the first ones to really have to go through that. Like for me, it was MSN Messenger. That was I would argue kind of addictive. It was social though. You know, I would come home from school and sure we'd have to finish our homework first and then I'd get on and I'd talk to my friends on MSN Messenger and that could be argued as addictive. But my parents also set like rules. Mm -hmm. Like we weren't allowed to be on it all the time. I understand things like that are maybe more accessible to kids than they used to be. People have video gaming systems in their rooms now and all kinds of things. And I guess maybe it matters the age of the kid too. Like are we talking teenagers or whatever? Either way though, I mean, if if they're under the roof of your house and you're the parent, I do agree with you on that being under the parenting umbrella more so than a Fortnite problem. Well, you know, let's use, say, 10 to 17 years old. That's a a, a pretty big chunk of adolescence. Are parents just afraid to tell their kids no? Are parents afraid to say to their kids, enough, stop? Are parents afraid to do things like shut off the Wi-Fi so that kids can't play if, for whatever reason, they don't listen? Right. Are parents afraid to consequence their children Mm -hmm. because... As rhetorical as this is, I think I know the answer in a lot of cases, and I'm not the only one. Let's read some text messages that came in to 1-833-915-SHOW about the Fortnite lawsuit. When will people get their head out of their asses and take responsibility for their actions? I have four children ranging in age from 5 to 14, all of which play the game. Yes, it's fun for them, and I can see the desire to purchase stuff from the game, which I have for birthdays and Christmases, etc. But at the end of the day, whoever's watching my children, when they say enough, that's that. If we take responsibility for our actions and our kids and set rules that they have to follow or they will get consequenced if they don't, are we going to sue the police for catching you speeding because the speed and adrenaline rush is addictive? Come on, people. Mm, Good text. All right, let's go to Ryan. The Fortnite thing isn't as black and white as some people think. You can chat with your friends while playing the game together. So there can be a social aspect to the gaming. And yes, my kids used to play Fortnite, but they don't play anymore by their choice. I believe in any game that you play online, there is an element of interaction with other people through the headset and microphone, no? Yeah, well, that's what I mean when I said, like, it is also a social thing. So I understand that parents now are probably dealing with something new. Like, when we played video games growing up, you and I, Scott, there was no there was no connection with friends playing video games. You right. just hopped on and played video games. There was no internet connection. There was no way to chat with your friends. This is a little bit different. There's another layer to it. It's not just about playing Fortnite for some people. It's about uh, Steve and, and Rick and Jane are playing Fortnite. We're all supposed to play as a team, and now I'm out. So and that makes me the the one who's, like, left out. Maybe there's like a layer of it there. And I understand that's probably complicated for some parents to attempt to balance, but it is something you need to figure out how to balance. That's part of parenting. Guys, can I sue Ruffles for making me addicted to sour cream and onion chips? (laughs) I think this is dumb. Good choice. Good choice. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I agree. This is a parenting problem. Parents should be responsible for limiting screen time. Again, though, back to the question that I asked earlier. Do parents know how to do that? And are they actually confident enough in their parenting to be able to say to their kids, hey, enough's enough. You're done. 
We're yeah. shutting her down for the day. And whether you like it or not, this game is going off. You need to find other ways to entertain yeah. yourself besides being completely immersed in this game for hours on end. Right. Or do parents just look the other way? Is it the path of least resistance to just let them game? It's not that hard. Can you talk yourself into it in a way just to avoid the confrontation? And I mean, that would be a great question for parents, but it's, it seems who are of that age, by the way, between that 10 and 17, that sweet spot for Fortnite, I think. Is that the issue? Because it seems to me by the text messages that I see coming in here, a lot of parents don't find that to be a problem. They they do set boundaries. They do set rules. And I'd, all, all I can speak to is where I'm at now. And I absolutely have to set rules now. You know, my kids like Mario Kart. Would I call them addicted? N- no, definitely not. However, if they ask, ask to play something, they can't play it for long periods of time. That's not happening. You have to balance out the day. So we'll make sure that we do a certain amount of activity. Maybe it's free play. Maybe it's reading, whatever. So I feel like if you start that young, then maybe it's easier to implement once they get older and then things like this are at play. Again, that's just from my perspective and where I see it. It shouldn't be hard for parents to do that. That's part of the job. There are are several parts of being a parent. That's your job. Keeping them safe, top priority, absolutely. But there's also other things that are involved, right? And making sure that you, when you see a problem, and to me, that's a problem. You feel like your kid's addicted? Don't look at Fortnite. That's not the problem. Talk to your kid. That's where the problem lies, in your kid. So have a conversation with them. Feel out other things that that child could be doing. Maybe you need to enroll them in a in a hobby or start them on something different. If they give you trouble for it, like Scott said, Power down the Wi-Fi. You have the power to do that. Do what you have to, but maybe have that conversation. Interact with your kid and figure out, okay, so we can't do this. I've decided you're doing this for an hour a day. That's it. Let's just say. Find another activity. Do you need me to put you in karate? Do you want to start taking up the whatever, something else? Let's discuss this because you're not spending your whole freaking day doing this. Or if this truly is an addiction... Is it fair to just take it away cold turkey and say, figure it out on your own? I don't know that we would do that for someone who are addicted to some other things. Maybe. You can't prove it's an addiction, though. Video game? Can I say that I think that it's harder to prove that it's an addiction than for other things which we know are addictions that have been proven? Like, and again, I know we're talking about kids, so I wouldn't say drugs and alcohol, but it is, right? Like, I mean, we know that certain drugs and alcohol can be addictive for some people, uh, can we we can't put that in the same category can we can we prove that there's a true addiction that if you did cold turkey cut them off what are they going to do what are they going to do tweak out like th- that doesn't happen it doesn't happen they'll get over it they're kids okay they will absolutely get over it you have to just a couple more texts don't know how the class action lawsuit will go, but Fortnite is a free-to-play game, so all the in-game purchases are one of their streams of revenue. So I believe if you have young kids, it's on you to regulate the screen time. Again, another great text message. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Guys, you are definitely right. It's definitely, definitely a parenting problem. Thanks, Blake. From Bean. Where's the responsibility of the parent here? Put the restrictions on yourself. There are settings on consoles for that purpose. It should be on the makers. It shouldn't be on the makers of the game to try and restrict when your kids play. Yeah, console. Okay, because the the one thing that I was going to ask the other whole, I suppose, layer to this is, do you think Fortnite is going to react to this? And by that, I mean, 
maybe they're going to just add something into the game where you're going to get a notification when you've been on for 60 minutes and then again at 90 minutes or you set it yourself for whatever time you want to set it for as a parent. Is that even helpful though? Because I think about TikTok when I hear these things and some people say social media is an addiction. And again, I, I don't think we've proven that social media is an addiction, but I understand that kids especially will spend a ton of time adults do too actually a lot of people spend a lot of time on social media particularly tiktok so what did they do when they heard rumblings of tiktok being too addictive they set controls in there and some of them are parental and some of them are for yourself that's an option if you're on an adult account where you can set that and let you let yourself know hey you've been you've been scrolling through this for an hour are you sure you want to do this kind of thing you set it for your kids where it can shut off after a certain amount of time if that's the case does fortnite implement something like this Maybe because of this lawsuit they do, but do they need to? Again, I just, it does come back to the parenting thing for me. Let me read one more text and it might be a different take for some people. My son is 16 years old and is full on addicted to that game. He'll download another game, but he will leave that game to go back to Fortnite. It's very addictive forever. Kids should be having, hang on a second here. Let me try and read this again. But it's a very addictive game forever kids and they there should be a screening time set for gaming systems. I guess this was speech to text and they had a small stroke while they were doing it. <laughs> but it's very bad for kids. I try and get them up to go somewhere else. It's not that you're a bad parent or anything. It's just the fact that you know the kids are older and they should know better themselves as well. You can't sit there and babysit children when they're over the age of 16. Uh, respectfully, I disagree with you. I think you're their parent until you're not their parent anymore. And that probably doesn't change ever. You should absolutely always be there to counsel and steer your kids in the right direction. I'm glad you say that because like your kids are grown and help me out here because I feel like the way that I'm that I plan to parent my kid is going to be different than just letting them roam around on the Internet. Let's use 16 as an example. You're still a child. You're mm -hmm. still under my roof. Do we need, maybe when you recognize these issues in your kid, and again, this is an issue in your kid and, and you need to figure that out as a parent. When you recognize that, isn't that when you make changes in your house? And I'll give you an example. Growing up, telephone for us, uh, TV time maybe for us, internet time for us, whatever it was, what, there was a centralized place for it all so that my parents could monitor it and the amount of time that we spend on it. I think that we allow our kids to have all these things, let's say in their room, Let's say you have that kind of kid that comes home from school, mouths down dinner as fast as possible and heads to their room and doesn't friggin' leave. And I know that happens at a lot of teens. Not judging that at all. I think as a teen, that's what I wanted to do. Maybe it's one of those situations where, like I said, when you recognize these issues in your kid, wanting to play these games, wanting to do these things constantly, take that shit out of their room. Can it be as simple as that? Put it in the living room. Because I think for some people, too, they just have it way too accessible for their kids. And then they go, oh, they're so addicted. And I caught them at 1 a.m. playing. Put it in a different place. It's your fucking house. Put it in a place that matters, that makes sense for you to monitor it. Is that part of the problem, too? I don't know. I don't have a house with teenagers yet. Maybe you could maybe you could tell me a little bit more about that. And I know that your kids were teenagers a little while ago, but I'm sure that you had similar well, let me tell you issues? something. I think at some point, every kid wants certain things in their room. At some point, they're going to want a television. At some sure. point, they'll want a gaming console in their room. When you decide, okay, you can have your Xbox or your PS5 in your room, 
there will every single time be a conversation. Okay, but there's going to be some rules and you can't play here. You can't play there. You got to do this. You got to do that. You always put the rules on and then you get lax on the rules. Kids start to take advantage and push boundaries. And before you know it, you end up in a spot like this. I'll tell you something. Taking that console out of their room isn't necessarily as easy as it sounds. There are some kids who will full-blown, as an adult-looking teenager, throw a fucking fit over having a game console taken out of their room. When you take stuff like that away, and tech in particular is very personal to a lot of teenagers, when you try and take that shit away, it is a major assault on them. They feel attacked. They feel Hopeless, lost, helpless. There's any number of ways that you could explain it. But to just take it away isn't necessarily as easy as it sounds. Uh, Kids are humans too. They've got thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And when you take away such a big part of their life, sometimes it is the path of least resistance to leave it there but try and monitor what's going on as opposed to making that break. Because there's a lot of parents who are afraid to piss off their kid. Really afraid. But that's that's the problem for me is... Are we at that point where we're afraid of our kids? And I hear what you're saying about them being looking like grown adults at 16. I've seen it. Yep. Are you afraid of your child? Like, some is that are. like, do you think that's some of the reason as well? Because again, we're, but what we're saying is because we're kind of going backwards here. What we said was be a parent. But then, oh no, once they're 16, oh fuck that. No, they're just going to be addicted and that's that because I can't argue with them because then they yell at me and they're big. My, my point it's is. It's kind of backwards, isn't my, it? My point is if you deal with this before it becomes an issue, then you won't have to deal with it when it's a very impossible so situation. Start young, kind of like what I was saying with as they grow up, figure out what makes sense if, so that those little things don't start to escalate. If you agree to put a game console in your kid's room, mm. as innocent and harmless as it sounds, they will find a way to exploit it and you will regret it eventually. You will end up in a situation like this where you're in a, I got to take it away, but I don't want to take it away because I don't know what's going to happen when I take it away. So don't get yourself in that situation in the first place. Don't get yourself in a situation where your kid has power over you. You're the parent. And I get wanting to be sensitive to their emotions and thoughts. And yes, we should always treat them with dignity and respect because they are human beings. But somebody's got to be the boss. Somebody's got to create rules and rules need to be followed in every aspect of life. And if you don't set the example, if you don't set the tone and enforce those rules, then you're going to end up in a situation where you're in a bigger situation than you can handle. And you're going to end up in a situation like this where, well, my only hope now is to sue fucking Fortnite because I can't stop my kid from gaming. I think it should never come to that. I think that's so important for people to probably hear, especially with in that age of turning like close to 10 years old. When they are of that age where, where these, this is just how it's going to happen, Yep. you know, and Gen X parents know, know it. Millennial parents are going to soon learn it if they haven't started to learn it already and figure it out. Do it early. I, I feel like this needs to be like taught to, to adults. That's sad to say, but I feel like what you're saying right now, a lot of people need to hear because I think it's a good tip for them. Yeah. Right. I, I have a hard time with the the shift that's been happening lately with some younger people and the way that that we're raising young people in that, you know, you could have a perfectly well-rounded, adjusted individual like yourself, Kat, and, and your parents, you could probably say, did a fantastic job raising you because of the woman you are today. Are you taking the same values and rules and things that were imposed on you and passing those on to your kid? Or mm-hmm. are you letting your kids walk all over you? 
Because yeah. a lot of people have forgotten how they were raised, and what's happening now is completely out of control. And what I said about the game console in the bedroom, that's just one example. Your kid is going to come to you at some point and say, I want a cell phone. Everybody's got a cell phone. I'm the only one without a cell phone. Not only a cell phone, I got to have an iPhone 13 because that's the best one because this person's got it. And they're going to give you every fucking guilt trip under the sun to try and get you to get them a cell phone. They might even offer to help pay for it. Well, I'm here to tell you, A, that's not going to last long. B, they will become heavily addicted to that cell phone. How can you avoid that? Right at the very beginning. Strict rules. If you even agree to give it to them in the first place. Maybe you have to talk yourself into it. Well, I don't really want them to have a cell phone. I don't really want to pay an extra 80 bucks a month, but, you know, I don't want them to feel left out or unincluded and blah, blah, blah. Okay, make your own decision, but just know if you give it to them and there's no rules attached to mm -hmm. it, you're going to deal with an addiction situation at some point where you're trying to have a conversation with them and they aren't even listening to you. They aren't even acknowledging you're in the room because they are so into that phone or that screen. And if you let it get out of control from the beginning, you'll never be able to rein it back in. And then God only knows what kind of an adult they turn into. I know. And I feel like growing up for me, I uh, with boomer parents, they were good at that. Like we were, I never had a TV in my room until I was like 19, until uh -huh. I was a full blown adult. Right. I didn't, I wasn't allowed to have a phone in my room growing up. We had a central phone. Nobody had a phone in their own bedroom. Because they liked to, and it wasn't even like a, we're, we're over your shoulder listening to your conversation. It wasn't like that at all, but it was just a central space where the computer was, where everything else. I know technology's changed since, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. I get it. Things have changed, but you have to ask yourself, I think you make a good point. You have to ask yourself what you want in the future and make sure that you're on the right track for that based on what you're doing now and set, set, the, set the rules now so that it doesn't screw you over later. So the Fortnite thing, we all agree this is stupid, right? Is this it? Like the majority of people? They might win. This parent might actually win. Oh, and, and I'm looking at all the other things that were totally preventable and totally within your own control, but we sued somebody else for it. Uh, we sued the tobacco manufacturers for billions and billions of dollars because what was it? Oh, they targeted us with our, their advertising. They made it too easy to buy cigarettes in stores. Mm, maybe that could be also chalked up to government regulation, but let's not forget, at some point you made the choice to put a cigarette in your mouth. And yes, they are highly addictive, and that was never a secret. So if you put a cigarette in your mouth and became addicted to nicotine, I think it's crazy to sue the manufacturers of the cigarette companies. I, I The manufacturers and the cigarette companies. That one I don't understand. But there's all kinds of cases like this. It's like somebody breaks into your house. You shoot them. You get in trouble. Yeah. Well, wait a second. That other person made a choice to do something illegal. Uh, don't get me started on that shit. Well, actually, you know what? We are over time here, but I'll just tell you one quick story because I think this is a conversation worth having. Uh, Toronto police say a fatal collision that occurred on Sunday morning in Toronto occurred when the driver of a pickup truck was chasing after his girlfriend's stolen SUV. The woman left her SUV running while she ran into the bank. When she came out of the bank, her boyfriend was there. They'd gone together. She jumped in his passenger seat. They were chatting for a second. Meanwhile, some prick rolls up and says, Started uh, a running car. I'm taking that. Jumps in the SUV, takes off. So boyfriend and the girlfriend who owns the SUV started chasing after it. They went around a bend at way too fast a speed. Lost control. The guy who stole that SUV 
killed in that crash. Wow. The woman who owns the SUV, seriously injured in that crash. The boyfriend who was driving the pickup, he got charged with dangerous driving causing death and dangerous driving causing bodily harm. And while I do understand that, you were driving recklessly, I get it. I do. Somebody stole your fucking car. Your girlfriend's car just got stolen right in front of you. It's right there. There's probably a a natural desire to want to follow that car. I am so curious here um, how this actually went down in terms of when the chase was happening. Was girlfriend in on it? I'm just thinking as a passenger in the seat, she got injured here Mm -hmm. and he's charged for that. Yep. How, what were her feelings at the time? Like, I wonder if this was just like, really was like a road rage situation of I'm, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Was she for it? Was she against it? Because someone got hurt and someone got killed, you know, in this. So I I don't, I don't blame police for pressing the charges that they pressed. Because again, that's what police are there for. You're supposed to be calling them. But do you feel bad for the car thief? They got killed and they were doing something highly illegal, very dangerous and and a big societal problem yeah. right now. There's a lot of vehicles getting stolen. They are. Yeah, they are. And I, it doesn't make it right that they got killed, though. No, I don't think it does. Their either. intent wasn't to hurt someone. It was to steal a car. And for me, there's different there are different categories. But for, it also wasn't this driver's intent for that guy to go too fast, roll over and be killed. Both of them were wrong. Like both of them were wrong. One of them stealing a car going I assume way, way over the limit could have killed people on the road. You know what I mean? So both were wrong. Uh, I'm curious to see how, uh, like where this goes. Well, we did get a text when we talked about that this morning on the radio show. And the person said, I don't blame that guy for going after him. My car got stolen. The police don't care. They don't do anything anymore because it's just easier to let insurance deal with it. I've heard this argument before. It doesn't doesn't mean you do this, though. You're risking lives doing it. But I understand what you mean. It's frustrating for a lot of people because car thefts are high right now. Absolutely. And at a certain point, police are swamped in thefts. And they, they can't they can't solve them all. They'll take the info down. But again, it usually goes to the insurance companies. You know what I don't understand is why we're trying to deal with this right here in the moment in every municipality in Canada. Why are we bothering with that? Why don't we just beef up the security and police presence at the places that they're shipping these cars through? If they steal a car in Burlington and it's getting placed in a shipping container because they know there's a big market for Canadian stolen cars in, I don't know, Haiti or someplace like that. Why aren't we just watching and inspecting all the shipping containers that are going out? Well, that's exactly, and you know it's got to be that route. What other route are they taking? There's it, no underground. They didn't fly it there. Unless there's an underground tunnel we're all not familiar with. They're not flying it there. You're absolutely right. It has to be that. I don't understand why we would try so intently to try and stop now when we could just, on a broader level, watch the borders. And it it does make you wonder. So many cars. Someone knows something. Somebody knows something. At the tippy top. And somebody's making a lot of money off of it. Honestly, that's where I go to. Speculating. Yes, I am. I'm going to say it, though. I feel like there's something more at play here. That's why. We got to go, guys. We will be back tomorrow with another episode of After 9. There was so much fun shit that I wanted to get to today that we didn't even have time for. It was a crazy day. We had so many stories today, but maybe we'll be able to overflow those into tomorrow's podcast. Have a great Tuesday. Bye-bye. Chinese President Xi Jinping traveled to Russia to meet with Vladimir Putin. Putin was just happy to get out of his bunker while she was like, worst spring break ever. Yeah, Putin and she were together for over four hours, waiting for the other one to sip their drink first.
Taco Bell just announced that they're bringing back two of their spiciest menu items ever, the Volcano Burrito and Volcano Taco. I'm not sure about their slogan for it, though. Spring clean your insides. Yeah.